before I take some questions tonight, we're going to take some testimonies. So uh, let's get our microphones ready. Um, and uh, we'll have testimonies, and then we'll have some of the prepared, <laughs> prepared questions that I have and, and uh, comments and remarks on the questions and the answers that come from them. All right. Anybody like to share a testimony tonight? All right. You have a mic. You can be first. First of all, I want to give God the glory and the praise in my life. I thank him for that message this morning. It truly impacted me. And uh, knowing, knowing that uh, we got the Holy Spirit that's living within us, those that truly, really believe uh, that he's not going to guide us in the, in the wrong way and allow us to steer. He's going to guide us and direct us. Um, I just praise him, God, for this church for my pastor. I can't praise him enough for putting me in a godly, believing church and the leadership as far as the uh, preaching of the word in Sunday school, the preaching of the word on a pulpit and the different ministries that the word goes out. I can't thank him enough for allowing me to be in this church. Um, and along with the people, the true ones that believe in Christ. I truly miss y'all guys when I'm not around. And, and uh, I just praise God for even feeling that way. Uh, I'm a lost words. Um, get emotional about this church. Can nobody tell me nothing about my church? I mean, I know God can protect himself and he can protect us, but can nobody come and tell me nothing about sweet communion? Um, I just love this church and I love the people in it. Uh, I thank him for getting me through my sickness. I thank him for uh, uh, bringing me not 100 back forward, but he brought me back. And he allowed me to keep all my limbs and allowed me not to be disfigured in no kind of way. And that's the reason why I know my God is an awesome God. And he's a true, steadfast God that loves us, those who love him. Um, I'm just trying to think of a talk out the, off the top of my head, and I can't give him enough praise and enough glory 
enough worship. Need to do more. I can't speak for nobody else, but we all need to do more for Christ. I just praise him. Praise God for that testimony. Let me read a question and we'll discuss answers to this question and then um, if we have time afterwards we can take more testimonies. That's several questions. I'll give the first one. <clears throat> I married a man who was a loving, caring individual. After being married, he stopped going to church and completely changed character. How do I continue to love him when I feel as if he is not the same person I first fell in love with? Okay, my answer. First of all, this isn't a Bible question. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a relationship question, uh, but we can still uh, uh, address that. <clears throat> um, and I will say this too, this is, this is not necessarily a personal situation of one here in this church, um, but it is a question that was put forth and, it, and it can, I think we can, we can uh, gain from some uh, contemplation on, on the question and the answer. Um, as, as one who, who, as a pastor who encourages premarital counseling, not that it will get you out of every problem, it, it's, it's there, first of all, to show your submission to God in every decision that you make. I'm going to make this decision in my life and I submit myself to God, so therefore I submit myself to God's people and his leadership to guide me in the, the, the decision and the area that I'm going in my life. <clears throat> I, I strongly urge that open mind and that, that humility, that submission to God in that way. Um, the reason why I say this is I doubt whether it says um, after being married, he stopped going to church and completely changed character. I doubt that he changed character um, but he may have changed his behavior a bit. And I think um, um, interacting, um, his character could have and perhaps should have been revealed a little better if we had a closer look at him um, or at that situation. So um, question one to this, to, to one who would ask this kind of question is, what did you do to get to know this person? Um, who did you, uh, who helped you in the decision as to discerning his character and who he was and, and how did you go about that? <clears throat> so those would be some questions I would ask. Um, it, it seems, it catches me off guard if a person is completely changed in character and was different totally from what you saw. Either you didn't see uh, well enough or the person was a very, very good um, actor. So what could have been done to, to kind of help you see uh, who that person was? I answer it that way because I see a lot of fault um, in how we, um, how we do things. In, in our dating procedure, I see, uh, um, I see us following the, the world's pattern 
And instead of seeking guidance from God, um, going off our feelings, getting caught up in that flow, um, not doing uh, some of the things that God would have us to do. In fact, for instance, Sunday school, we were talking about what the older women should do, teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Um, and I think it starts even before then. <laughs> teach them how to date their future husbands. Teach them how to evaluate um, a man. Um, um, teaching men how to evaluate their prospective uh, wife and, and helping that, not ignoring or, or setting yourself apart from the people of God, but let them be active in, in that um, interaction so that they can get to know this person as well. I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago. My niece was there, and uh, she got married. Um, and, uh, you know, I was I always kid with, the, uh, with my brother about how we were going to vet this guy and, uh, you know, find, see if he's, he's qualified. Well, it's too late to vet him. He had already married her. But just to, to see what he's made out of and, and, and to, to let him know what he's getting into, so to speak. Uh, and I say that in a joking way, but in a real way, there is a sense that as a church, um, if you are, 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 your life should be exposed and open to others so that you can get the wisdom that others would give. You should welcome that wisdom um, into your life. Here, this question seems to come from a person who is, is just totally um, um, surprised by this person's character. I read the question again. I married a man who was a loving, caring individual. I will say, okay, what ways show that he was loving and caring? Is that because he paid $2,000 for your ring? Is that loving and caring? Or was it some other things that you saw to show that he was loving? How did he interact with your family? How did he interact in your church? How did he act towards your parents? Did he meet your parents? Did they respect him? You know, so all those kind of things. What made you think he was a loving, caring individual? I married a man who was a loving, caring individual. After being married, he stopped going to church and completely changed character. All right. Where was he going before? How faithful was he? What was he involved in? Those are some of the things I would, I would like to know. And I don't, I don't have that because this is, uh, this is not a person before me in a counseling room. Uh, how do I continue to love him when I feel as if he's not the same person I've I first fell in love with? That's a good question. How do I continue? What if I'm in this situation, Pastor? Just meet me where I am, and how, where do I go from here? I will start with this. Listen to this question. How do I continue to love him when I feel as if he is not the same person I first fell in love with? This idea of falling in love is a false... It's... It's confusing to think of love that way. Falling in love makes me think I got dizzy, and I was in a daze, and then I woke up, and now I'm married. God wants us to fall in love with our eyes open, right? He wants us to choose love. God commands us to love. We looked at that in 1 John. Love is a commandment. Love is also a principle. And so how should this person continue to love? What if their mate is unsaved? They should be a testimony to them in the love of Christ so that they might see God's love. I think that can be a frank testimony to say, look, I thought you were this. You are showing yourself not to be this. 
but I'm going to continue to be this and try to be a testimony example to you. We are married. I can't just say, well, you ain't the same person. Therefore, let's go back to court. Let's change this and get rid of it. God didn't work that way. He said, when you say I do, you made a commitment. That's why you ought to seriously consider that before then and seek God's wisdom. Now that you're in it, you need to be a testimony of love to that person and pray that God would change their character through salvation and that he'll use you as a means for that. I don't know if this person was looking perhaps for an easy answer. Maybe pastor would say, well, you know, I understand. That's hard. That's rough. You're not in love anymore. Get a divorce. Find someone else. People would tell them that. I won't tell them that. God doesn't tell them that. Uh, and so that's my answer. Confused? Questions? Yes. Well, he may choose not to straighten it out, but he still requires you to be faithful. Think about Hosea. This was an unfaithful person, and God says, stay with her. In fact, go back and get her. It seems like she was kicked out of the house and going in other directions. God said, go back and get her. Um, now, why did he do that? He did that to demonstrate his love for his sinful people. <clears throat> we, can, we can demonstrate our love. Uh, let me say it this way. Demonstrate your love to God first and your commitment to God. So a marriage commitment is, first of all, a commitment to God. Um, and you ought to see that as I'm committing myself to be faithful to the vows of marriage because I'm going to be faithful, first of all, to God. That's how I serve him. That's how I worship him. That's how I honor him in my life. Whether or not this person that I'm married to meets that same standard or not, God calls me to be faithful. <clears throat> there are some... Um, um, allowances for divorce. I understand that. Um, but to first of all, look at what marriage is. It is a commitment to God. Um, why is it a commitment to God? Because God instituted marriage. Um, it is God who brought Adam, put him to sleep, took a rib out of his, his body, and made Eve, and brought them both together, and made them husband and wife. It is God who instituted marriage. He instituted it for our good. He also in instituted it for our growth, that we might learn and, and develop. Um, and so God uses, um, God uses Donna to show me what not to do. <coughs> um, he uses me to show her what not to do sometimes, too. Um, but he uses that for that growth, that, that, that close interaction is, is what God uses to, uh, to, um, to, to challenge us and, and to, to help us. As, as a pastor, as a counselor, I've seen, um, I've had many a counseling session that I thought was probably unnecessary if husband and wife had actually talked and, and learned from each other and grown from each other. Um, and it, it God had used them, God had intended them for a compliment that they should be to each other if they had taken that time to search it out and see that 
and to uh, respond to that properly. Um, so yeah, um, following God's will is no promise of an ideal relationship. So we need to commit ourselves to God first, regardless of how faithful or unfaithful that person is. That's why it's good to seek a person who's committed to God. Because they're committed to, they can be committed to you as well. Um, in, in, the, in the language of 1 John, it would sound like this. How can you expect a person who doesn't love God to love you? How can you expect a person who doesn't love a perfect God to love an imperfect you? Can you, in fact, love, uh, expect a person who absolutely loves God to show that love towards you? Yes, you can. So that's, that's kind of the, inter um, the language of 1 John. Um, show your love to God by how you live and your faithfulness to your spouse. And I think this person can, can, can benefit from that as well. Any other comments on, on this situation and this question? Yes. It's a rehab love. I'm, my love is so strong, it's so good that you're going to fall in line when you fall in love with me. Um, and that, that is a, 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 a faulty thinking and it's, it's a faulty uh, thought of our own self-worth or value of what we are or what we do instead of thinking that God changes a person. That's for that same reason a lot of us get frustrated trying to change someone, whether it's a spouse, husband or wife, or a child, thinking that we are responsible for changing that individual instead of acknowledging that it's God who changes. Um, and God may use me as an instrument of change, but it's God who changes the heart. that realization I'm trying to, to get us to understand and not so much us well us if we need be but, but those that I talk to often in counseling oftentimes it is the attitude of what can I do to fix this instead of what does God require of me and that's a whole different question what I can do to fix this really says to me pastor You've been gifted by God. Can you pray for me? Can you counsel me? Can you bless me in some way that this problem goes away? And when I began to tell them I can't do that, sometimes it's just disappointment and a search for somebody else. Um, instead, I tell them, no, here's what God requires of you. And I'm like, I didn't come here for that. I wanted you to fix this. Um, and so we're, we're looking for that fix instead of looking to please and honor God. And that's, that's kind of what this person is. Oh, I thought this person, this question comes from, I thought this person was saved, but now they're not. What do I do? Well, what do you do is you honor God. And you may need to honor God, first of all, by acknowledging your own wrongs. Now, I've said it to people that say, Pastor, I acknowledge my wrong. I didn't come to you for counseling. I shouldn't have married this person. That's why we're getting the divorce. I go, Really? So you didn't follow me the first time, so now you're not going to follow me the second time either because I'm not telling you to get divorced either. <laughs> so, yeah, 
that, but it stems from that, that situation is fix this. Now, often God will drive us to an issue so that we come to him and say, Lord, fix it. And he says, humble yourself before me and I will fix you. And then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. 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 Isn't, isn't that our human nature? Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of work on a house, and they say, you know, I got a spot on my wall. Can you come paint it? What they expected me to do is bring a paintbrush and a can of paint, get up on a ladder, paint it, be done for the day. I come there, I said, well, yeah, you do have a spot on your wall. But you don't understand, you got a hole in your roof. And I can paint that today. But next week when it rains, it's coming back. Do you want me to paint that or do you want me to go up and, and do the roof? The paint will cost $25. The roof will cost $2,500. And they said, that costs too much. That take too long. So all I'm going to do is sell this house, so why don't you just paint it? <laughs> right? That's human nature. And they are disappointed when I say there's a hole in the roof. I can fix it, but there's a hole in the roof that's going to cost a lot more than $25. And if you never give attention to that hole in the roof, you're going to be paying $25 to paint that wall forever, and it never will be right. But if all you want to do is get it right for next week so you have somebody look at your house and say, oh, I like this, and they'll buy it, yes, you've, you've solved your problem, but you haven't fixed anything. You haven't fixed anything. You've solved your problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's, that's human nature, and that, that's life, so nobody wants to hear there's a hole in the roof. Um, but that's, that's the truth, and, and that's, that's what we're dealing with. <clears throat> Second question. I feel like Christians are far too legalistic about attending church, attending every church service. I have several kids. It's harder than it looks to get them dressed and ready for every single service. I feel like people are judging me for every service I miss. Is it really that bad to need a break every once in a while? I think God understands that everyone has limitations. And half the church said amen. <laughs> okay, this too is human nature. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we want to create a standard or lower standard that we meet to make ourselves feel good that we are pleasing God. This person says, they call it legalistic about attending every church service. I could understand that to a degree. Legalistic, if you want to call it legalistic, then you are saying this person requires that for you to go to heaven, you have to attend every church service. That would be legalistic. Um, I would ask them, is it legalistic to expect 
godly people to be faithful to the service of God. To show their faithfulness to the service of God. Is that legalistic? Maybe I should ask you that. Let's, let's discuss that. Now let me ask you a question. Did they feel as if they would go to hell if they missed a service? <laughs> There's a difference between faithfulness, isn't it? Um, I ask that question because that's, that's the legalistic um, approach. Um, but there is some, some realism to this question. And that is, what should I as a pastor, what should you as a member, what should I as a leader, what should you expect? What should we expect of each other? And th that's, that's, that's a, um, a valid question. How, how, how do we do that? And, and, and I'll say this. Um, I think I've, I've grown. I've learned. I've seen myself do certain things um, that um, I would change slightly. Um, early in our ministry, um, I went to our leadership team at a requirement that each leader be at um, evangelism each time that we have it, um, be committed to it, and write down that commitment in writing, express that as, as a, a writing to me. Um, they didn't like that, um, and in fact, they hated that. Um, I thought the idea was valid. Actually, I still do think it's valid. Um, although I may, may not take that particular approach. I haven't taken it since, although I, I do have expectations uh, uh, of leaders. I don't express it in, in those terms because I don't want them to just be doing it because, um, because I demand it. I want them to feel committed to the Lord in their service. So I've chosen to wait now and, and, and look at people who are already committed and, and um, see if that's, that's who God is calling the leadership. So if they're not committed, I really don't want them in leadership um, because I want people I can go to war with. I want people who are, who are just have a zeal and passion for serving God. Um, the question, though, should I expect that of, of every member? My answer is, yeah, I expect that of every member. Do I require it of every member? No, I don't require it because I can't force it. I can't require it. But I think God requires faithfulness. And if we're not going to be faithful, we have to acknowledge that we're not really serving God. We're serving ourselves. Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. We often have a problem with being on time. Ever thought about that, being on time? Being on time is really an issue of priority. What's important to you? I would say that you will be on time to those things that are important to you. In other words, you will do in the time you have allowed it what's important to you. If you're late for work because you got to get your hair ready, what's important to you is getting your hair ready. And you won't put anything off for getting that hair ready, right? If you're late to work because you slept an extra 20 minutes, what's important to you is sleeping an extra 20 minutes. You won't even let work stop that. So what happens is you simply display with your time what's your highest value, right? 
You show what's important to you with your time. So a person who says to me, Pastor, I just, you know, it's too early to be at church at this time, or it's too much for me to be at church these many times, is really just expressing what their value is. Now, I, as a pastor, might try to influence and change that value. And what I've grown in is trying to use methods and means to change that. And what methods and means I use to change that instead of dictating from me. Because um, that that doesn't work. What it does, it gives a a people who will toe the line as long as the dictation is there but won't tow it any t- any, anywhere else. So what I've tried to get wiser in is how to do that. And what I try to do is do it just like I'm doing it now, challenging people, encouraging people, motivating people to a full surrender to Christ and a full devotion to him. I can do that. God has given me the means of preaching and teaching and living as an example. So if a person looks at me, they need to see a person who's on time, who's committed, who's prepared, who does what God's calling them to do in whatever situation. That's my means of teaching you, okay? And I can basically say, like, I, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So I've tried to grow wiser in my means of teaching people, but the expectation really hasn't changed because I don't think Christ has changed anything. The person who's fully committed to Christ will do whatever Christ asks. So I try not to ask more than what God would ask of a person. But clearly, that expectation is going to grow as your responsibility and your role in leadership grows. Let me read this question again and let you reflect on it. I feel like Christians are, are far too legalistic about attending every church service. I have several kids. It's harder than it looks to get them dressed and ready for every single service. I feel like people are judging me for every service I miss. Is it really that bad to need a break every once in a while? I think God understands that everyone has limitations. So for every person who says this, I can show you another person who has even more kids than you or more responsibilities or less, uh, more challenges uh, managing time, but has a higher priority and shows it in their service to the Lord. So really, it becomes a question of what's most important to me and how do I live that out in my daily life? So I, let, I try to let that preach and try to let that guide us and let, try to let that motivate us so that we begin to say, instead of saying, Sister Ruby there all the time, I'm going to be just like her. I'm going I'm to I'm get to her level so she can't look at me and say nothing bad to me. And then I can really tell her she ain't up to par. Instead of having that attitude, had attitude, Lord, you know what? I really want to de- be devoted to you, and I don't want to use any excuse. So help me in that devotion. I want to grow in my love of you and in my devotion for you, whether people are looking at me or not. But I, I want to I want to grow in it. Comments, questions, yes. Oh, they say you missed work yesterday, you're fired. Yeah, yeah, right. Well it's a process. It's a process. But I'm saying the pattern of the expectation and the accountability people mm-hmm. 
mention something to you. Um, when I talk to like guys at Grace Partners, uh, pastor, co-pastors there, um, they probably deal with this more than I do. Uh, they they have you know the soccer moms and um, there's a there's a lot of competition for our time. And sometimes people think because I got nothing to do, I'm at church all the time. And so since their life is full, they got other things to do. And so, you know, they're not going to be sitting at church all the time. But I would submit to them the same thing. It's, it's a matter of value. Now, people will say, I'm not at Sunday school and I'm not at Truth Seekers. Because my kids have volleyball practice. They have violin practice. We have YMCA. We have youth camp. We have this. We have that. We have this. You know, and they say, we've got all these things. And these are good things. You know, Pastor, which one of these do you want me to give up? <clears throat> um, but I would submit the same thing. What is your value of serving Christ? And how do you show that in your time? And be committed to that. Um, like I said, when I talk to a Grace Partner, some of our Grace Partner uh, churches, and I, I use that as an example because they, they have a, a maybe a little different culture than, than what we have. Um, they get depressed in the summer when, when half their church is gone. Um, the, they go on vacations, family reunions, um, going up north for the weekend, going fishing with the kids. And the, the thing is, Pastor, all these things are family-related. Don't you want us to be family, family, family? Um, and in that case, sometimes their priority is more family than it is God, and they try to make the excuse that family is God, uh, especially with homeschoolers and, and that, that whole group. I'm sorry if I offend somebody who's homeschooling here. I was a homeschooler myself, so I know where it comes from. Um, they, that's often used as the excuse of, look, we're having church at home. And so we don't need this. That's why we can't come to every service. Um, so um, without being legalistic about how many services you ought to really attend, I would rather have a person examine their heart to say, is, is there room in your heart for growth and commitment to the Lord or is your other priorities higher and greater than that? Okay, I know my time is running out because the Packers game is getting close, so that's why we're so quiet. <laughs> values, values, values. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to mark these two questions down as we have dealt with them, and we'll go on to our next questions at our next session. Um, I was going to say something, but now I forgot what it is. Any, any announcements, anything need to be said before we close? All right, let's close. Father, we thank you for you. Help us to examine how we serve you, how we love you, how we worship you, and let us be willing to love you more than anything else. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.